0: SECTION 12 OF THE MOUNTIES IN THE NEWS This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Esther. The Mounties in the News by the New York Times, SECTION 12. THE BATTLE AT Batouche General Middleton's official report of the engagement. Poundmaker expects to be joined by Riel. The Dominion General on his way to meet the Indian chief. Ottawa, Ontario, May 15th. In the House of Commons today, Mr. Caron, Minister of Militia, said, I desire to read to the House a more lengthy report of the battle at Batouche I have received from General Middleton, which will be of interest. It is as follows Batouche, Northwest Territory, May 12th, to the Honorable A. P. Caron. Since my last evening's dispatch to you, I have ascertained some additional particulars of our victory, which was most complete i have myself counted the bodies of twelve half-breeds on the field and we have four wounded half-breeds in the hospital and two Sioux. among the wounded half-breeds are ambrosie jobin a counsellor and joseph Delarm. as far as i can ascertain riel and gabrielle dumont left as soon as they saw us getting well in i cannot ascertain for certain which side of the river riel was on but i think it must be this side extraordinary skill was displayed by the enemy in making the rifle-pits at exactly the proper points and the number of them is very remarkable had we advanced rashly or heedlessly i believe we might have been destroyed as i told you i reconnoitred my right front with all my mounted men yesterday morning with a view to withdrawing as many of their men from my left attack which was the key of the position and on my return to camp forced on my left, and then advanced the whole line, which went forward with a cheer and a dash worthy of the soldiers of any army. The effect was remarkable. The enemy in front of our left was forced back from pit to pit, and those in the strongest pit facing east found them turned and our men behind them. Then commenced a suave qui puis and they fled, leaving blankets, coats, hats, boots, trousers, and even guns in their pits. The conduct of the troops is beyond praise. The Midland and Tenth Regiment vied with each other in their efforts to defeat the enemy, and were well supported by the Nineteenth and flanked by the mounted portion of the troops. The artillery and the Gatling Corps also assisted in the attack with good effect. When all behaved so well, it might appear invidious to mention particular names still there are always some who by good luck are brought prominently before the eye of the commanding officer and these names i shall submit to you later on my staff gave me every assistance and were most energetic and zealous the medical arrangements under brigadier surgeon orton were as usual most excellent and were efficiently carried out i have to regret the death of three officers as well as two soldiers but they died nobly and well i found no want of ammunition or food among the enemy in spite of what had been said to the contrary and we found large quantities of powder and shot nearly the whole of the rebels families were left and are encamped close to the river bank they were terribly frightened but i have reassured them and protected them there is a report that gabriel dumont is killed but i do not believe it though i think it is likely he is wounded one of the killed has been recognized as donald ross a member of riel's council yesterday evening just as the action was finished the steamers northcote and marquis arrived up the latter having twenty five police on board it appears that the northcote had a hard time of it as the rebels fired at her very heavily and though she was well fortified the rebels managed to wound two men slightly the Northcote got on a shoal for a short time, but managed to keep the enemy off and to get off themselves. Finding that, owing to barges alongside, they could not go upstream again, they decided to run down to Hudson's Bay. Crossing, get rid of them, and return. At the crossing they found the other steamer and came up together. This morning I sent out a letter addressed to Riel as follows batouche may eleventh mr riel i am ready to receive you and your counsel and to protect you until your case has been decided upon by the dominion government fred middleton major-general commanding northwest field forces i cannot of course be certain but i am inclined to think the complete smash of the rebels has pretty well broken the back of the rebellion at any rate it will i trust have dispelled the idea that half-breeds and Indians can withstand an attack of resolute whites properly led, and will tend to remove the unaccountable scar that seems to have entered into the minds of so many in the Northwest as regards the prowess and powers of fighting Indians and half-breeds. There is not a sign of an enemy on either side of the river for miles. Fred Middleton Winnipeg, Manitoba, May 15th General Middleton's force, now at Batouche, has just received orders to move to Prince Albert tonight, en route to Battleford, where they will join Colonel Otter and engage in an attack against Poundmaker. Lord Melgund, second in command of the forces, arrived in Winnipeg from Battleford last night, and was interviewed by your correspondent this morning. Speaking of the rebels, he says they are good marksmen at short distance but are able to do nothing at long range, owing to the inferiority of their weapons. This will account, he says, for the comparatively light losses of our troops at Batouche. He anticipates very little trouble now from the half-breeds. He says General Middleton is very anxious to capture Riel, but does not believe it can be accomplished in a country like the Saskatchewan, where everywhere opportunity is offered for escape. Being questioned as to Colonel Otter's attack on Poundmaker, Lord Melgund said we might get into more Indian fighting than was at first expected, in consequence of that unfortunate affair of Otter's with Poundmaker. Although the Indians participated with the rebels in the fight, still the quarrel was not with the Indians, and inasmuch as the campaign was not against them, they would not have considered themselves aggrieved had not Otter marched against them. General Middleton knew nothing of Otter's intention or movements until after the fight. He, of course, disapproved of the movement. Lord Melgund still hopes that the business, if properly managed, can be settled without fighting. The Indians are hungry, and if properly dealt with, they might be induced to go quietly back to their reserves. A sufficient body of troops, he says, must be sent to overawe them. Then promises might be made them of amnesty and protection, but the general would have to insist on having the ringleaders given up to be hanged. It would never do to let them off. Lord Melgund said it would be necessary to garrison such points as Prince Albert, Edmonton and Battleford to guard against future trouble. Lord Melgund will leave this evening for Ottawa. A dispatch from Humboldt dated yesterday says, a patrol party of the governor-general's bodyguards under command of lieutenant browning patrolling to the northeast today, came upon a party of scotch half-breeds from the south branch near prince albert numbering twenty-eight men women and children they report having left their homes on march twenty-eighth under a threat from riel in case they did not join him within forty-eight hours till they reached fort lacourne they had no tents they slept on snow and endured many hardships. They have since wandered about in fear both of Indians and half breeds and were in a famished condition when found. The capture of a supply train by Poundmaker and his band has caused much excitement because it is feared it indicates a general Indian rising, which was thought could be avoided. With the supplies captured, Poundmaker is entrenching himself to meet General Middleton and Colonel Otter. Poundmaker expects to be joined in a few days by riel, Dumont, and other leaders, and a large portion of the rebel force. Big Bear, a cruel cold-blooded Indian chief, is with Poundmaker. It is thought that in the event of Poundmaker and Big Bear being driven to bay, that they will at once strike south for the Cypress Hills. If they should succeed in reaching that point, where large bands of cattle are grazing, they can make a better defense than in the north. Being close to the boundary line, facility for obtaining ammunition and supplies, and of being joined by American Indians, half-breeds and other sympathizers would be much greater. Dispatches from Medicine Hat state that the Stuart Rangers are covering every trail for south and north, having a frontier of 150 miles to patrol. They are working on important information received from Fort Assiniboine, Montana, which in the public interest cannot be made known. Among other things captured by the troops at Batouche was a large quantity of papers belonging to both leaders, including a dispensation from a priest to all who engaged in the rebellion. The feeling against the priest on this account is very bitter. Riel and Dumont have gone down the east bank of the river and cannot well escape. Tate, a courier from Prince Albert, arrived last night. He reports everything quiet and says that no farming can be done this year, owing to lack of seed. Captain Moore was in a critical condition when he left. A dispatch from Clark's Crossings says the wounded at Batouche among the troops additional to those already reported are A. Battery, Gunner McCowley, slight. Privates Brisbane, forehead, slight eager jaw McClue shoulder cantwell hand and thigh stead arm scoble arm corporal foley side nineteenth battalion corporals kemp right eye ralph baron left hand mac erickson left arm private alexander watson neck and chest midland battalion sergeant christie right arm GM Daly, left arm in hand. Bolton's scouts. William Hay, arms. French's scouts. Grillon, right shoulder. Gurnier's corps. A.G. Wheeler, shoulder. All are doing well. Ten other minor casualties are reported. A special dispatch from Battleford, under date of May 14th, says... A party of seven mounted police, while patrolling near the entrance to Eagle Hills, ten miles from here at about noon today, were surprised by a large band of mounted Indians. Constable Elliott was instantly killed, dropping out of his saddle, and Constable Spencer was wounded in the body, but succeeded in riding away. Constable Elliott, who was killed, was the son of a British officer. Constable Spencer comes from West Troy, New York the patrol was under command of sergeant gordon batouche may fourteenth father moulin the parish priest was asked today as to the losses of the rebels in the fighting at batouche he gave them as fifty-one killed and one hundred and seventy-three wounded his statement may be relied upon as accurate end of section twelve